This might be your favorite book in the Bible. I don't know. It does have a lot of key passages that we've looked at. I've, at least for me personally, I've looked at maybe the first verse I ever learned wasn't John 3.16, but maybe the first verse I ever learned was in the book of Ephesians. Do you have any idea what verse that might be? 6.1. Maybe that's because Emma learned that verse, verse 2. Uh-huh. Ephesians, not saying she did. I don't rightly don't remember. Ephesians 6.1 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And uh, I think that might be the first one my mom and dad made sure that I learned. And uh, so there's a lot of other uh, verses of Scripture. Is this, is this working today, Brother Joey? It's not. Okay. There's a lot of good other verses of Scripture in the book of Ephesians. Of course, the, um, the armor of God is listed in, in there. And uh, we could go on and talk about all those other things, but uh, that's not the, the message for today. The message for today is listed within our text, and we're looking to be a maturing Christian. Now, the book of Ephesians is one of Paul's prison epistles. Prison epistles. It was written while he was in a Roman prison. A Roman prison. And one thing about Ephesians, different from some of Paul's other writings, is that it was not used to correct anything. Uh, We find that in several other books of Paul. So it wasn't correcting any issues within the church. However, it was used to explain some of the great themes and doctrines within Christianity. I'm going to read a statement made by uh, Charles Spurgeon about Ephesians. He said this, The epistle to the Ephesians is a complete body of divinity. In the first chapter, you have the doctrines of the gospel. In the next, you have the experience of the Christians. And before the epistle is finished, you have the precepts of the Christian faith. Whosoever would see Christianity in one treatise, let him read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the epistle to the Ephesians. And so I think Charles Spurgeon uh, thought highly of what God put into this one book of the Bible that only had six chapters. Of course, those are divisions that were put in. They weren't even there to begin with, but for us, they're in there for maybe a little bit of clarification and being able to find things a little easier. And so we see this was written from a Roman prison. Colossians is another one, and there's several others. And let's look at chapter 6 for just a moment, and we find who delivered this book. Now, Paul had already been to Ephesus. Paul had already been there, helped start the church. And so now he's writing a letter back to the church uh, to instruct them. And uh, it is brought to the people there in Ephesus by a gentleman by the name of Tychicus, or Tychicus, however you would like to pronounce it, but I pronounce it Tychicus, but at verse 21 of Ephesians 6, but that ye also may know my affairs and how I do, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that ye might know our affairs and that ye might comfort your hearts. And so this letter is sent by Tychicus. It is sent 
uh, as a way of comforting, as a way of saying, hey, just so you know, this is what's going on. Obviously, remember the communication in the Bible days. We can't think anything like communication in our day or even 50 years ago. Uh, the communication was like this, a letter scribed out, written out, and somebody personally delivering it. And that's how this letter was brought to the people of Ephesus. And again, as we said, it included some great themes of God working in the church. What is the church? And again, this is just a, a simple thought. Uh, there's all, lots of definitions, but it is a community of believers. A community of believers. And so the book of Ephesians is a, uh, is a, a letter, not just for the people of Ephesus, but it's for us today. It's for you. It's for me. And how we can mature as a Christian. Now, maybe you're here today and you say, I can't mature as a Christian because, honestly, Pastor Turner, I'm not a Christian yet. I'm so glad that you're here in church today. Again, whether you're a Christian or not, I'm glad that you're here. But you cannot become a Christian simply by being in a church Walking through the doors of this facility, which looks nothing like a church on the outside from your traditional look of a church. So uh, we definitely don't have that feature, do we? That's okay. Uh, But you're not any more a Christian by walking in this building than you are by walking in any other building. But we know that Jesus Christ is the way to Christianity. I'm so thankful that we have freedom to talk about Christ. Brother Wah sent me a documentary this week. Three-part documentary on the church in Iran. I watched all three videos. I couldn't stop watching it. And how the church in Iran functions. Even today. Wow. In one moment, I was deeply convicted by my Christianity. Another point, I was burdened for the Christians in that country, as well as in other creative access countries around the world. So it's not, maturing as a Christian is not bound by a freedom to worship or a lack thereof. We have the scripture, and so we have, as Christians, we have God's spirit. Again, now, if you're here today and you're not not a Christian, you've never accepted Christ as Savior, that's where it starts. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's the words of Jesus. There are far greater words than any pastor could ever give. And I'm thankful that we can continue to give that message. Just as every parent in the world is delighted when they see their children growing and maturing, God is blessed when he sees his children, children, excuse me, making the transition from babyhood to adulthood in a spiritual way. God wants me, God wants you to move from our infancy to maturing in His goodness and in His grace. 
you know, that's, as we just read, that's why God gave, verse 11, that's why God gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And then, this isn't really my message today, but in verse 12, uh, you can see what it's for. It's for the maturing, the perfecting of the saints. It's for the work of the ministry. This is why we have said it, maybe not for all 22 years, but every Christian should be in the ministry. That's a good time to say, praise the Lord. Every Christian should be in the ministry. And if you're not in the ministry, I'm of the, I'm of the persuasion that you're not where God wants you to be. That doesn't mean you're the pastor. That doesn't mean you're, you're doing something that God hasn't equipped you to do. It means that you're doing the work that God has equipped you to do. And by the way, if you're saved, God has equipped you to do something for the glory of God. The maturing of the church. God wants us to move from, if you will, if you will, sorry, the spiritual nursery to the spiritual battlefield. That hurts that I, I might still in my walk with God still be in the nursery. <laughs> See, Pastor, you don't look like you're in, you could be in the nursery. We're not talking about the outward appearance. We're talking about my growth in the Lord. Am I still a baby? And God says, I've created you. I've saved you. I've redeemed you uh, to not be in the nursery. I've created you to eventually get in the battlefield. The Bible says in verse 15, where we'll zero in on two verses really within our text. But my, my heart today is that you and I would be asking the Lord, am I maturing? Not is your wife maturing, not is your children, not is your husband, not is the pastor, not is Brother Kim, both of them back there. Uh, am I maturing? By the way, don't compare yourself with somebody else. That's not what it's about. Because our, our comparison is not with anyone physically in this room. It is our comparison, as we saw in our scripture, we'll look at it, is the head. Our comparison is, does our life look more like Jesus Christ today than it did when we got saved? Does this church look more like Jesus Christ today than it did when it started 22 years ago? And I, I take that question very personally as the under-shepherd. I believe it is, it is in all my responsibility, but I have a great responsibility as the under-shepherd that we as a congregation have a passion I can't give you that passion, but I, I'm to preach the word and be instant in season and reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering. And what is that for? That this church might be more like Christ. It looks completely different today than it did June 3rd, 2001. We weren't meeting in a church building then and we're not meeting in a church building right now. So that part of it didn't change at all. In fact, there's no one here except my wife and I that were in that very first meeting. That's not said to be discouraging. It's just said to say there's a lot of changes. 
But Jesus Christ has never changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His church is still the pillar and ground of the truth. His church will not, the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. This is not Anchor Baptist Church. This is not the Pastor Turner's church. This church belongs to the Lord. And it is up to us as his children to say, I pray that we would say, God, I want to mature. I I need to mature. Okay. Ephesians 4.15. God just highlighted this verse over the last several weeks in my life. And it's not, again, it's not an obscure text. But I pray that we won't let the familiarity uh, blind us from something God has for us today. Notice Paul said, let's, I'm just going to read it one more time. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him. Notice, into him. Not into the church, but into him. Who is him? We know it's, it's listed there. In how much? All things. Which is the head, even Christ. So again, I, I'm seeking to grow. I'm seeking to mature. Not in the church. Uh, not uh, for the pastor. But I'm seeking to mature. Not even really for myself. But I'm seeking to mature in Christ. And that he might get the glory. Let's look at these words, several words today, and just kind of go through this verse. Not every single word, but let's look at several words that God illuminated, at least showed me that I believe what I pray will help you. That's the, that's the second word, and that's the word speaking. Maybe you want to underline it. Maybe you want to write the word speaking down. And for me, when I look at this word speaking, speaking and speaking, of course, uh, we know that right now I'm speaking, and, and for the most part, you're listening. And uh, I pray that Holy Spirit is actually doing the most speaking, though, on the inside. And you can hear him, and he's challenging you, and he's challenging me even while I'm speaking. So we kind of know what that word means in a literal sense. But a word came to mind, and that is the word action. Action. When I see Paul writing this to the church, I, I see him sitting uh, in, in some kind of a prison cell. I don't know that it was necessarily a dungeon setting. It might have been a house arrest type thing. But I see him writing and he says, but speaking, but speaking. And the thought came to my mind that if I'm going to be speaking, again, it's not about what I am speaking. We're going to look at that. But if I'm speaking, then I'm, there's some action involved. I can't be speaking and not have anybody to talk to. Or I'm just speaking, you know, whatever, out into the open. <laughs> I guess you could do that, and I do that. Maybe sometimes you talk to yourself too, and there's nobody there. That's okay. But I think of the word action. Second word, speaking the truth. The truth. This is going to build, I hope, in our hearts today. And as I thought about that word truth, I thought about the word authority. 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 What is it that I'm speaking? What is it that I'm to be actively speaking? It's not my words, but it's the word of God. It is the truth, and that is the authority. The authority that we have, that we will always have, is nothing about being a Baptist. But the authority that we have will always be about the word of God that we hold in our hands today. It is the truth. Let's look at a verse. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, please. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I hope you're meditating and thinking about this. Am I maturing in Christ? 
Am I maturing in Christ? Uh, let's see here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Again, this is also written by the Apostle Paul to another group of believers in Thessalonica. He says in verse 13, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the what? Received what? Word of God. You've got to say it really loud because I've got two air conditioners. So, you know, it, you're trying to get somebody to really listen to you. They're not paying attention. You know, it's the teenager or the child. Of course, they all pay attention. You've already said their name three times. That's the kind of voice we want to hear. All right? When they received what? Better, the Word of God. That's the truth. But notice how they received it. Which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of who? Men. Yeah. (laughs) You know, God, by the foolishness of preaching, right? Thank the Lord for that verse. Because I don't feel like after 22 years, I'm any more qualified than I was 22 years ago. So this is not the word of men or Ben. (laughs) It's the word of God. You did not receive it as the word of men. Notice, but as it is in truth. You receive the word of God as it is in truth. And notice what he says here. Which effectually, I love that word. Effectually, meaning it's causing an effect in you. It's not just in one ear and out the other. How many times have we been in a church service and we walk away and even the next day, and I'm guilty, okay? We walk away and the next day we're like, what happened? To, I can't even, what was that? Maybe even that day. But Paul said here, the word of God, he received it as it was. He received it in truth because it effectually, it effectually Worketh in you. Worketh also in you that what? Don't miss the last word of the verse. What is it? Believe. This is the the word of God. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This is the inspired word of God. There is no other book like the Bible. But do you notice the last word of verse 13 is so important? Do we believe that? I mean, do we really believe that? Do we really believe this is the truth? Do we really believe this has authority? That's how we're going to mature. Is that we recognize this is not just any other book. This is not just someone writing a letter to a church. It's God writing a book, 66 of them, to me. It's God writing 39 Old Testament books and 27 New Testament books to you. It is not just for the church. It is for me. 
And when we recognize that this book is not uh, like any other book and we speak and we actively speak and say this is the truth and we really believe that, notice it takes that belief for it to work in me. Yeah, I don't really believe that. I don't really believe God can take care of my needs. Maybe we would never say that. I don't really believe this. I don't really believe that. And so what are we doing? I believe when we have that attitude, we are limiting the most powerful source that you have in print today, the word of God or the word of truth. Let's go back to our text. Speaking truth. Speaking is an action. Join in. Join in. Let's start speaking. Let's start speaking, but not just anything. Let's start speaking the truth. Let's start speaking the truth. Let's start speaking the authority. The third word that God challenged me with is the word love. The word love. And the word love, uh, the word that God gave me is the word attitude. Attitude. What is my attitude in speaking the truth? Sometimes it's anger. That's a bad attitude. B.A., right? And we can, we can get all, you know, I read something yesterday. I read something that a, a, actually a pastor's wife posted on Facebook yesterday. And she said this, I was out sharing the gospel with my husband yesterday, and I thought I was, I was sharing the gospel with two ladies. And then she said, it turned out one of them was a man. And she said, immediately, my heart, compassion in my heart, grew. They did not get saved. But I shared the gospel with them just as I would anyone else. And we can look at this society that we live in and we can, we can look at it with anger or we can look at it with love. Maturity, maturity says speak the truth in love. Immaturity if it speaks the truth, can be pulled into more of a antagonistic, angry type of approach that does not discount the judgment of sin. I am not discounting the judgment of sin. It's very clear to, clearly laid out in Scripture. But in this text today, we're speaking, we're, we're, we're emphasizing this verse that Paul brings to our attention, and he says, speak action, truth, authority, with love, that's the attitude. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, quickly. The charity chapter. This world needs God's love. This world needs God's love. Who has God's love greater than God's children? No one else. We have it. It's been bestowed upon us. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal, 
Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, I mean, think about how that must be. And though I have all faith so that I could be that one that says, hey, mountain, move. You know, mountain-moving faith. He says, but if I have not charity, can you say those three words with me? I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. And it goes on and explains uh, more about charity. Verse 8, charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. And now abideth, verse 13, faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Oh, church, Anchor Baptist Church, if we're going to be maturing, it's going to be done in an attitude of love. And this attitude of love comes from the greatest love. We love him because he first loved us. May we never get to a place in our life where we convince ourselves that we deserve God's love. I think that really will help us to love the community. Because somehow we get this idea that because we are who we are, we deserved God's love. Folks, I never deserved God's love. I deserve to go to hell and be judged for all eternity. That is what I deserved. For the wages of sin is still death. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This is what I deserve. I deserve God's judgment. But because of God's mercy, because of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ coming and dying for my sin and, and paying that penalty, for God so loved the world. But I never deserved it. But I'm so glad God gave it to us. Love. That's the attitude that we need. The next word is the word grow in our text. Ephesians 4.15 is the word grow. The word that God gave me for this word is the word abound. To abound. Now, we're going to look at several verses. I hope you can look at these with me. Maybe you'll just jot them down. I'm going to turn to them. And read them once I get there. Proverbs 28, 20. About the middle of our Bible. Abound. Speaking the truth in love may grow up, may abound. 28, 20, Proverbs. A faithful man shall abound with blessings. But he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. Obviously, I'm thinking and looking at that first part. A faithful man, someone who's growing in the Lord, not perfect. We're not talking about getting to a place of, of where we've got everything figured out and we don't need any more growth. No, that's never going to happen. 
We're always growing. We should be. But notice what happens. This isn't, this isn't boot camp in a sense. I mean, it is, but I don't think of many blessings when I think of boot camp. But the Bible says here, a faithful man, a faithful lady abounds with blessings. God has blessings. The songwriter said, count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Anchor Baptist Church has seen so many blessings in 22 years. Thousands of souls have been saved, whether in this area or around the world through the missionaries. Thousands have been saved and, and are on their way to heaven and we'll, we'll see them someday in heaven. And, and uh, uh, miracles of healing have been done uh, by the prayers of God's people. And yes, God still heals. And uh, all of this, and I mean, we have a roof over our head, and, and we have the Bible, and I mean, I'm just naming things, there's so many more, but uh, God is the one who has given us these blessings. Paul said, speaking the truth in love may grow, may abound. Turn to Romans 15, please, quickly, Romans 15. We see in Romans 15, verse number 13, the Bible says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. This is part of growth. Notice he says here that you may fill you with joy and peace in believing. I mean, how could Josiah write those words? I've never experienced that. A 33-week-old baby living one hour. How could Josiah, he's a young man, by the way. He's 28 years old, I think. Already got three kids. Four kids. One in heaven. How could he write what he wrote and say, we're just thankful for the, the trials of God because... It's going to bring greater joy. What an attitude. How does this happen? I believe this happens because we are abounding. We're growing. And, and the Bible says here, when we do, we'll be filled with joy and peace. That ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. I heard someone say yesterday that our salvation is not just so that we can go to heaven. Think about this. Our salvation is not simply so that we can go to heaven. Now, it provides us heaven. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But salvation is right now supposed to be, a, it's supposed to have such an amazing impact on our life even now. Not just because someday when I take my last breath, as that little baby took his last breath, he's in heaven. 
Not being able to obviously get saved. And again, that's another thing and topic and all of that. But it, let's say someone has uh, been you know, saved and they're 25 or 45, 55, whatever. And they take that last breath and they're with, they're with the Lord in heaven forever. Praise the Lord for that. But don't let, I don't know what, but don't let the enemy, I guess, convince us into believing that salvation is only good for when we die. Look, we have the... We have the third member of the Godhead living in us, not just so we can go to heaven, but so that we can have joy and peace right now so that we can abound. I think sometimes we're living a, our Christian life. I don't even know what words to give. Just let the Lord tell you what word I'm trying to say. Uh, but we're just living in a, a mediocrity or such lowness that we're missing something that God did not save us just to cross the T's and dot the I's but to have great peace and joy in the Holy Ghost no matter what's happening in our life this comes the abounding the abundant Christian life it's not because I, I, I sit around and work it up no that's not what we're not talking about some emotional thing yes emotion is good but it's not about being emotional uh, you could be just as staid as they come but you could have the peace and joy in you abounding in you as he says here how in believing and again we come to that word believing it's in it was in the last verse now it's in this verse believing believe What's God trying to say to you? What's God trying to say to me? Let's listen. How about 1 Corinthians? I got to pick it up here. 1 Corinthians 15. Still on page one. Only got two pages today. But got to keep moving here. Summarizing 22 years in one day. One message. Therefore, my verse fifty-eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always what abounding, abounding, always growing, exceeding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, I'm not going to say anything about that one. Turn over one page, Second Corinthians chapter one, maybe one page over. For as the suffering, 2 Corinthians 1, 5, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us. Now this is one that we say, hang on a minute, I didn't sign up for that. But that's part of growing. As the sufferings abound in us, notice what he says, so our consolation. This is how Josiah could write what he wrote. Because he was consoled by the same Christ that he suffered for. That's a great verse to underline and circle and have available. You might need it this week. As the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth. The last word that I see in our text, verse 15, 
Speaking, action, truth, authority, love, attitude, grow, abound. And that is the word Christ. Christ. The Almighty. The Almighty. The Anointed. Almighty, unchangeable God. The growing believer will have a deep attraction to the truth of God. They are constantly adapting their lives to the teachings of the Word of God. We will take our time to find out what God wants from our life. And we will be willing to change whatever it takes to line up with God's will. We do this because obedience to the Word of God always produces a genuine Christ-likeness. That's what it said in verse 15, right? But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Here's something. We are not to grow independent of Christ. We are to grow up into Christ. I am not to grow independent of Christ. I'm to grow up into Christ. The second verse that I want to look at is verse 16. We won't, be, we won't take as long. Notice verse 16. From whom the whole body, maybe you want to circle that word whole. Whole. The whole body, by the way, is referring to the church. From whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every, maybe you want to circle that word every, joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every, there it is again, every, maybe you want to circle that word every part. And here's the growth. Here it is. Maketh increase of the body, of God's church. It's increasing. I don't believe that's referring to the size. I believe it's referring to the sort, or I believe it's referring to the spiritual growth. May increase maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself. Don't miss that. The edifying of itself. You know what that says? The church is to edify itself. The word edify means to to build up. So we see in this text that the whole body must be joined together. That every joint needs to have a part that every measure of every part and the whole goal of this is so that the body the church will edify itself and notice again how it's to edify itself is in love this is the maturation process of the church it isn't going to take place aside from everybody doing his or her part, every joint, the whole body, every part, saying, okay, I need to see how, what am I doing in edifying the body? You don't have to have a Bible college degree to do that. 
We just have to be obedient to the Spirit of God and be willing to do whatever it is the Spirit of God leads us to do. This is part of it. Here's some statements. As each saint grows and wins others, the entire body grows in Christ. Another statement. Both of these are by Warren Wiersbe. Each saint shares in the growth of the church. You know what? When I read that, I thought, wow. Here's why I thought, wow. (laughs) Because what part am I playing in the church growing? Not numerically. Now, we want more people to come. But that's not the theme, I don't think, of this text. But I must ask myself, what part am I playing? Because as each saint, each saint must share in the growth of the church. If I'm the, think about it this way. If I'm the only one, what's it going to look like? So it's not saying, okay, I'm going to look at so-and-so. I want to be like them. No, 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 no. You don't need to do that. You need to be who God saved you to be. You're a joint. You need to supply some energy. You know, you're an elbow. Whatever. Every part is needed. Every believer has a part in the growth of the church. Notice, the every joint supplieth. Every joint supplieth. This is evidence of maturity. I I will tell you this is just straightforward, lovingly. This is my goal for Anchor Baptist Church, that every joint is supplying something. Because to me, that is evidence of maturity. It's not 10 people that are doing the maturing and the, uh, and the supplying and 90 people that are uh, not doing it. It's everyone supplying, every joint. Notice it says, the effectual working. We talked about this earlier in another text. Notice the effectual working. According to the effectual working. Uh, this is, again, repeating, but it's worth repeating. Leaders and saints all doing their job. Effectually working. This, my friends, my brothers, my sisters, this is the maturing of a church. I believe Jesus is coming soon. I don't know if it'll be while I'm alive or not. I'm not worried about it because I know if he comes, I know I'm going to meet him in the air. I know if he comes after I die, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be beating you there if you're still alive because the dead in Christ will rise first. So I, we've got it. If you're saved, you're in a win-win situation. But the point is this, as we've been learning a little bit in our Bible lessons in the morning and the devotionals, we want, if, we're, if we're ready for his coming, it means that we're mature. It doesn't mean we're holier than thou, but it means we're maturing So I ask you to ask yourself this question today. Am I maturing? Could I mature more? Yes, of course. All of us could. Is my joint in the church, is it supplying to help the body to grow? Let's go to the Lord in prayer.